0: Describing the gift of mercy, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to come alongside others to help, to encourage, to build up, and to give strength in tough times. Men and women who are moved by human need. It's what you see, it's what you feel, and it moves you. The person with the gift of mercy not only are moved by human need, but one step further are moved to help. This
1: is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place. has quipped, it's those who are innocent that love justice, while most of us who are wicked naturally prefer mercy. All kidding aside, we're thankful our God is a merciful God who grants mercy, often through those with the gift of mercy. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've come to the last gift listed in Romans chapter 12, it's the gift of mercy. Here now to tell us about this much needed gift is Pastor Ed.
0: These motivational gifts here in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, are the gifts that Jesus has given to his church to serve, to get involved and be engaged in the ministry. Really, these seven gifts represent what Jesus would do if he was still here physically on the earth. But he's not. He's here spiritually. Jesus lived, and he died, and he rose again. He's at the right hand of the Father. And now through his spirit, moving in this world through his church with these gifts. Now, every believer has received at least one of these gifts. I know that through the Bible study, some of you have said, well, what if if I have all of them? Listen, at least one of them is really going to move you, really going to speak to you, It's going to touch your heartstrings because that's how God has made you in your personality. And you may see other gifts overlap, but one of them is really going to be where where you are and what moves you. And then you can pray for these other gifts to come alongside and help you and encourage you and strengthen you so that you and I, we might be the most fruitful believers that we can possibly be. Picking up again in verse 6. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that's given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, we define prophecy as declaring the truth. If that's your gifting, then prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry or the gift of service. We define that as practicing the truth. If that's your gift, then use it in our ministering. Next is the gift of teaching. We define that as explaining the truth. If that's your gifting, then teach. The next gift there in verse 8, he who exhorts. We define the gift of exhortation as applying the truth. And with the gift of exhortation, he says, he who exhorts in exhortation. Just go for it. The next gift mentioned he who gives. This beautiful gift of giving we defined as supporting the truth. And if you have the gift of giving, he says, then give with liberality, generosity, single-hearted purpose. The next gift he mentioned is the gift of leadership. He who leads. We define this as organizing the truth. If that's your gift, then lead with diligence. Not half-hearted, but completely. Go for it. And then we come to the final gift here. He who shows mercy, then show it with Cheerfulness. This is both a verbal and a nonverbal gift. It has both types of ingredients, and we define this as ministering the truth, really getting the truth into someone's life personally. This gifting of mercy is so wonderful, so valuable. Mercy literally means to show or extend compassion or mercy. The general idea and meaning is to have compassion or mercy on a person in very unhappy circumstances in their lives. It refers to those that are gifted by God to serve those in need with a deep connecting empathy and compassion. Now, if you haven't been with us for all of the gifts, there's a pattern that we've been following. We first look at the gift defined, We see it in the life of a person, what a person might look like that has this gifting. We're going to look at it in the life of Jesus. We're going to see it in the life of the church. And then we'll close up our time in Bible study today with looking at some of the dangers that you need to watch out for if you have this gift of mercy. And so the person with the gift of mercy is divinely gifted to connect with empathy and compassion. It really is a gift of connection. It's a personal gift. It's an interactive gift. It really puts you into the lives of other people to build them up, to comfort, to encourage. And God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to come alongside others to help, to encourage, to build up, and to give strength in tough times. And so the person with the gift of mercy are usually men and women who are moved by human need. It's just what moves you. It's what you see, it's what you feel, and it moves you. The person with the gift of mercy not only are moved by human need, but one step further are moved to help meet that need, to to bring healing, to bring encouragement, to bring comfort. You're not only moved by human need, but you're moved by human need to act in the lives of the people that God's put in your life with mercy and compassion. You often identify with people that are hurting, and you tend to minister and serve them very carefully, very tenderly, because you're very sensitive about their hurt, and, you know, a lot of people are just bruised spiritually. And you're very careful with them. You might even see someone with the gift of mercy walking around the sanctuary or walking around the property, and in one moment, you watch them walking around. Their eyes are wide open. They got a Bible in their hand. You turn around for a second, and when you go back to them, they're praying with somebody. They go, oh. Or they're walking out the door with their arm around somebody and the, somebody that they're walking with is crying and weeping. They go, wasn't just a minute ago they were just walking around and... No, because they tend to gravitate to the people that are hurt. And you might even find them as they're crying, you got two people crying, not just one, you know? You got the crying and you start to weep with those who weep because those with the gift of mercy tend to do that very, very well and very, very often. The gifted believer who shows mercy is divinely sensitive to suffering and sorrow. And they have a keen ability to notice misery and distress that might go unnoticed by others. For example, in the time of greeting, right, you go around, you greet people, you might be meeting people for the second time, or you're just like, man, this is cool, I want to meet people. And so the person with the gift of mercy will say, hey, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? And then they'll come to a person, how you doing? And the answer is okay. And the person with the gift of mercy says, no, you're not. You go, hey, I just thought I was okay. I know know what you said with your mouth, but your eyes are telling me something different. And just by that question, you start breaking down. You just start crying right there. And a person with the gift of mercy in that greeting time might take you out to the foyer and start ministering to you. Or they might have been over here, right? And they met you over there, so they got their Bible, they got up, and now they're sitting next to you through the whole service. They're going to be there for you. The gift of mercy, you're moved by human need and often are gravitating, you gravitate toward those that are hurting, and the people that are hurting gravitate toward you. It's so wonderful, it's so beautiful, as you're carefully, tenderly love and care. You seem to always, those with the gift of mercy seem to always be able to express your feelings and emotions and your care for someone without offending them. You know, I know that those that don't have the gift of mercy, you know, we can tend to offend and we might be more matter-of-fact, and it's not on purpose. If you're offended, like somebody's trying to minister to you and, and they don't say the right words, or they, they're, it's not on purpose. Almost always it's not on purpose. We, we just don't know what to say, or we're trying to find the right words. But the people with the gift of mercy, they know what to say. They don't need to find the right words. They already know. They're just so in tune, so just so in tune with their own feelings, but also with the Spirit of God. So wonderful, those with the gift of mercy. Very, very sensitive. Those with the gift of mercy are very empathetic. Empathetic. We often use the word sympathy. It's a very important word, isn't it? When you and I express sympathy, we feel sorry for someone. And it's a real emotion. You hear of a need, you see something, and your heart breaks. And you feel sorry for the situation. You're not in the situation. You hear about it, and you feel sorry about it. And it's real, and it's genuine, and you really don't know what to do, but your heart breaks. Empathy takes it a step further. See, sympathy, feeling sorry for someone, empathy is feeling sorry with someone, where you actually feel the pain with them. You take it the next step, and it's not just feeling sorry for, but then there's that level of feeling sorry and feeling bad with someone where you want to connect and you actually walk alongside of them. As a matter of fact, many people with the gift of mercy actually experience something called sympathetic pain. And that's this. Nothing's happened to you. Things are just fine in your life right now. There's no issue that's hanging over your life right now. But because of your ministry, you get involved with someone who's greatly hurting. And you actually begin to feel the same exact pain that they're feeling. Even though nothing's happened to you. Because God has divinely connected you with them. Very empathetic. So there's sympathy, feeling sorry for someone... Empathy, feeling sorry with someone. And then, of course, the third one is apathy. None of us want that, right? That's no emotion at all. We don't want apathy. We don't want to be apathetic toward the things of the Lord or apathetic toward human need. May God make us all very empathetic. If you have the gift of mercy, well, you tend to live more on the feelings level of life. You tend to rely more on your feelings. You tend to be more in tune with your feelings. So we'll hear you say things as you make decisions. We'll hear you say things like, I really feel this is from the Lord. I really feel like I should talk to you. I really feel like I should say something to you. I really don't feel, or you know, I don't feel that's from the Lord. I don't feel, and so you're really realm, in the realm of feelings, that's where you live. God has made you very sensitive and tuned into your own feelings, and he uses that to help you connect with others. He uses you and your feelings as a way of working through you to minister to his children, to his body, and to a lost and dying world. But it also then it also comes with this desire in your life. It also comes with this need to feel loved and appreciated for what you've done. And because you live in the realm of feelings, we'll get to some dangers at the end, but you got to be real careful here. When you're not being appreciated, somebody hasn't said thank you, you have that tendency, you have that danger of going, well, nobody cares, nobody... No, 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 you've you got to be careful with your feelings. So you're real sensitive in your feelings, but you can also be real sensitive on the other side, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And because you're so in tune with your feelings, though, it's why wounded, emotionally hurting people have a magnetic attraction to you. They just seem to be everywhere you are. Those are the people that are attracted. Those are the people that are connected with you. You just seem to be surrounded by some of the most hurting, heartbroken people in the church and in the world. The Holy Spirit entrusts them to your spiritual care so that you might lead them to the cross and help them through their tough, unhappy circumstance. Men and women with the gift of mercy are often what we would call the compassionate ones, they're just known as being compassion, the down and out just gravitate to you. I mean, not just the down and out men and women gravitate to you, but down and out cats and dogs and wounded birds show up at your doorstep. <laughs> and like, you take them in. It's like, oh, little birdie, you got a broken leg. Let me take care of you. And your whole heart is just to take care of that bird and get it back on on its own, right? And so you just have that sense. You care about everyone and everything genuinely, sincerely from your heart because that's how God has gifted you. It's the gifting of mercy that will motivate a person to go to the mission field, to sell out everything for the ministry, for Jesus Christ, to get the gospel of Jesus to people that desperately need it. When people with the gift of mercy, you know, when you see ads asking you to support Orphans in third-world countries, if you had all the money in the world, you'd support them all. Just send them over to my house. I'll even take care of them if you could. You'd write all the letters if you could. You'd give every dime that you possibly would to them if you could because your heart's broken by the down and out. You hear about single parents, you want to serve them. You hear about orphans, you want to serve them. You hear about someone losing a loved one, you want to love them. That's your gifting from the Lord, the gift of mercy Oh, it's so wonderful as it's used within the body of Jesus Christ. Many times men and women with this spiritual gift of mercy find themselves gravitating toward careers in what we would call caring professions. Doctors and nurses and EMTs and law enforcement, social work, caring professions where the entirety of your life is taking care of someone else in a convalescent home or babies or daycare, all kinds of neat things. And let's just say that you didn't get into the path of a caring profession. Maybe you're doing some, maybe construction, or you're working in a way that wouldn't necessarily be a caring profession in your mind, but you've made it a caring profession because that's your gifting and you care about people. So it really doesn't matter. If you're hammering a nail, you really care about the person next to you and you're just, man, every time you hear him, you want to help him, you want to serve. So whatever you do, this gifting motivates you and moves you, but generally those are the gift of mercy. They want to get involved in ministries that care and serving people with broken hearts. I mean, when you're driving to work and you're driving to church and you're driving around the community, every time you see a homeless person, your heart breaks. You don't even ask whether a sign is true or not. You just want to help them. You know, doesn't even process it. You see a little kid that looks like he doesn't have any shoes. You might even go down and get a pair of shoes for him, find out what his size is, and you just want to help. You see a traffic accident, you pull over. You do a U-turn. I'm going to help him. It's that gift of mercy. It just goes far deeper. You're just so in tune with that part of your life, and it's such a wonderful gift to watch. So how did it operate in the life of Jesus? Flip over to Matthew chapter 15, would you? Matthew chapter 15. How do we see mercy in the life of Jesus? Let me just say that the life and times of Jesus Christ were rooted in mercy. Here we are, men and women separated from a holy and a righteous God, declared judgment by our own sin. And instead of God enacting judgment on us, by his love for us, he gave us mercy. Not what we deserve. We deserve to be wiped out and snuffed out. And what does God do? He rescues us. And he saves us. He sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live and die and rise again so that through his sacrifice, your sin will be forgiven. Mercy and grace. Pick up with me in verse 21 of Matthew 15. Sitting in a room like this or tune into a Bible study on the radio or watching it online, none of that stuff saves you. It's a genuine heartfelt connection and a prayer and a life of repentance from sin and an acknowledgement of your need of salvation. There aren't three ways to salvation. You know that, right? There's not ten ways for your sins to be forgiven. There's only one way. There's only one way for God to forgive the judgment and to remove it from your life, and that is through Jesus Christ, who took the full brunt of judgment upon himself. Right? So God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe, isn't that a great word? Whoever? Aren't you glad you're a whoever? Or in the old King Jimmy, whosoever? Aren't you glad you're a whosoever? Like salvation's available to everyone. If you're a whoever today, I imagine you are. <laughs> I'm a whoever. You a, it's like a Dr. Seuss book, huh? whosoevers that's who we are. And whosoever wants to be saved today, God will save your soul. Whoever believes on him will not perish. Perish? Those are That's a heavy word, Ed. I know. I think God intended it to be heavy. Like, salvation is no simple thing. Like, salvation isn't just, well, I believe in Jesus, so life's going to be great. I'm going to be prosperous. Everything's going to go well. No, 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 no. The prosperity that God gives you is salvation. He saves your soul. He rescues you from complete, utter destruction, both in this life and in the life to come. Yeah, perish, it's a tough word, but you got to let it sink in. You leave this room one more time, you leave even the sound of my voice one more time rejecting God, then you are making a decision to perish. Well, no, Ed, I'm not perishing. I have a pretty good life. It's a deception. It's not true. Apart from Jesus Christ, you don't have a good life. It's all a lie, it's all a facade. I don't know if you've ever been to Universal Studios, but they'll take you on a tour in the back lot and they'll take you through all the neat, beautiful houses and neighborhoods that they have erected and built. And you go through and it looks like a neighborhood not unlike yours until you turn the corner. And when you turn the corner, you know what you find out? They're all fake. They're all facades. What they appear and the conclusion that you make with the eyes is wrong. I mean, even that house, I remember as a kid, even the house that's on fire, It's all natural gas, man, like the heater or like the fireplace in your front room. That's all it is. It's just a half thing and a fire coming out with big hoses. It's not even on fire because as a kid, you could burn, baby, burn, you know? And now you see it, it's not going to burn. It's the same house. I'm sure the one that's on fire is the same one I saw when I was eight years old. It's still on fire. (laughs) But the fires of hell are real. Eternal damnation is real. And the only way that you'll be able to quench the fires of hell in your life is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, repenting of your sin. The whole life of Jesus was one of mercy. His old ministry, verse 21, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have, this is interactive, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me. Flip over chapter 17, verse 14. The whole life of Jesus Christ was one of mercy. Mercy. We can't have enough mercy. Chapter 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. There's all, give me mercy. Give my family mercy. Matthew chapter 20, turn over, verse 29. Matthew chapter 20, notice verse 29. They departed. As they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. These men, these women, they come and ask Jesus for mercy. Why? Because God shows mercy. He's a merciful God. You know, a lot of people come in and out of your life and ask from you, for mercy. It may not sound like that and may, may not have this kind of, have mercy on me, but I recognize there's a lot of hurting people in our fellowship. A lot of you have ex-wives and ex-husbands and, and they come to you and they're crying out and, and, and they're asking what they need is mercy from you. It doesn't come natural, does it? Because what we want to give them is judgment, right? I mean, that, that's our prayer lives, right? I mean, when's the last time you prayed like this, Lord, would you just judge me? Yeah, it's me. Yeah, I've had a horrible week and I just want you to come down on me, man, and wipe me out. No way. I'm there when you pray. I hear you. You say, I had a bad week this week, Lord. Would you please have mercy on me? Would you please show me grace? Would you please forgive me? And with the same mouth, as we ask for ourselves for mercy... Our prayers turn a corner sometimes, don't they? And, oh Lord, have mercy on me, but would you judge her? I mean, take her out, man. Because if you don't take her out, I'm about to take her out. Take her out, man. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm going to. It's like, wow. You know, the same mercy and grace. People are asking, you know, they might be hurting you right now. It doesn't have to be an ex. It could be somebody in your life right now. It could be an email you got. It could be people accusing you of things. It it hurts. Your first response is judgment. And you know, they need mercy. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith Ed. No, 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 no. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not mine. Not to take vengeance. Just give God room. Because why? People didn't come to Jesus saying, give me judgment, give me judgment, give me judgment. They said, show mercy on me."
1: You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Romans. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then look under Quick Links. We also offer the program by podcast. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace it does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go round, that love is the answer, and that all you need is love. But what is love? And if it's so popular, why does it seem so hard to find? Allow Pastor Chuck to lead you to the answers in love, the more excellent way. Please call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Whether you're out of town on vacation, sick and not feeling well, or you're under a stay-at-home order, you can always join us for services online at Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. Those service times are Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And we offer a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We live stream at calvaryco.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Romans on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. and Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.